Welcome, and buckle up for this special episode of Drive Time Talks on the 2020 presidential election, exclusively for our policy drivers, the team members driving policy decisions on issues that matter to Toyota. This is Donna Rudy from Government Affairs, coming to you from Washington, D.C. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the most presidential candidate of them all? When it comes to the 2020 presidential election, who better to ask than our very own Stephen Saccone, Toyota Group Vice President of Government Affairs. Stephen, thank you for joining us today. Well, it feels like half the Democratic Party is running, over 20 so far. Will there be more? Well, there were 17 Republican candidates four years ago, so this field is not that much larger. Will there be more? Maybe, but I think the big names are announced. So for those holding their breath, waiting for Oprah or Michelle, well, it's time to exhale. As to why, the quick answer is that a lot of people think that Donald Trump is beatable. They know that his approval ratings have never gotten above 50%, which hasn't happened before to any president in modern polling. But my opinion, Donald Trump will be very tough to beat. And we can return to that question later in the podcast. Do you think the candidates actually think they can win the nomination and beat President Trump? (laughs) Hope springs eternal. So maybe all of them look in the mirror and see a future president. But another way to think about the question is, why not run? If they run and lose, they still gain national exposure and experience, along with a much bigger network of supporters. Maybe they lay the foundation for a future run or maybe a different office, even vice president. It's also easier to run these days because social media gives candidates a lot more platforms for exposure and ways to raise money. Basically, there are more upsides than downsides to running, even if a candidate loses. So if we were filling out our brackets for March Madness, who would you say are the top seeds or the final four picks? Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, and probably Beto O'Rourke. Those are what I would say are the four top seeds. They're polling the best, have the most money, and each leads a particular lane in the primary. And what do you mean by lane? Well, Biden is the moderate. Bernie is the furthest left. Harris is somewhat between the two politically and is the leading female candidate and leading person of color. Beto, who is 46, represents generational change. So they each have a core group they appeal to among primary voters. As you know, March Madness is not complete without unexpected upsets that become memorable Cinderella stories. Who's Cinderella in this upcoming election? The mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg, who no one heard of about a month ago. He's burst onto the scene. Mayor Pete, as he's often called, is the baby in the race at just 37, two years beyond the constitutional age requirement of 35. He is a Rhodes Scholar, speaks seven or eight languages, served in the military, and would be the first openly gay president. He's generating a lot of enthusiasm, but he remains a long shot. Although still early in the game, is there a candidate you expected to be doing better? I'm surprised that Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey is lagging. He's also a Rhodes Scholar and known for his eloquence, uh, but he hasn't caught fire. The same goes for Kirsten Gillibrand, the senator from New York. She's trying to position herself as the champion for women's rights, but hasn't really resonated with voters so far. And even though I listed him as a top seed, I'd say Beto O'Rourke is flailing a bit right now, partly because Mayor Pete seems to be eclipsing him with young voters. With 18 months to go until the election, when should we expect to see the Democratic field narrow itself down? You know, it's a process that moves slowly for a while, and then suddenly things happen very fast. Think back to the Republican field in 2016. 
As I said earlier, there were 17 candidates at the start, but five pulled out before the Iowa caucuses in February, and another three quit right after. A week later was the New Hampshire primary, and when the dust settled, three more were out. By the middle of March, only three candidates remained, Ted Cruz, Ohio Governor Kasich, and Donald Trump. As for the Democratic field this year, the debates will begin next month in late June and continue at a pace about one a month all the way through April of 2020. If past is prologue, expect the field to whittle down to single digits by the end of this year and then get down to the final few by March of 2020. Who were the front runners in the money race? We just got our first look at the fundraising totals uh, as candidates had to release their first quarter receipts a few weeks ago. Bernie Sanders has the early lead with about $20 million. That's not a surprise, as he had an established network from 2016. Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris were next, with about $16 million for the Massachusetts senator and $13 million for the California senator. Meanwhile, Joe Biden raised a lot of cash quickly, about $6 million in the first 24 hours. We'll see who's able to keep up the fundraising momentum, because it's a nonstop part of campaigning. And how's President Trump doing? Well, he raised more than $30 million in the first quarter, which is $10 million more than Bernie Sanders. Of course, he's not competing with other Republicans for money, so it's not an apples-to-apples comparison. However, it's interesting to point out that at this point, in President Obama's re-election campaign, he had only raised about $2 million. But at this point, he had just filed for re-election. President Trump filed the day after his inauguration. Which issues do you see dominating the Democratic primary? And will the candidates need to lean far left to do well, even though this might hurt the winner in the general election? I think all the candidates will need to take positions on what I'll call the big three, climate change, health care, and immigration. Now, that doesn't mean that every candidate will sign on to the Green New Deal, uh, Medicare for All, or the elimination of ICE, the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency not to mention whether they will take a position that President Trump should be impeached. Now, some will support all of these things, which may play well in the primaries where the voters are more left of center, but those positions would be a lot more difficult to defend in a general election where voters overall are closer to the center. Maybe the biggest question for Democratic voters in the primary is which candidate has the best chance of beating Donald Trump? All right, Stephen, if you had to choose right now, who has the best chance of beating President Trump? (laughs) Well, it's important to remember that elections are decided by a few swing states, Florida, which is always close, and the Midwestern states of Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Donald Trump won all of those states last time. My sense is that a moderate candidate would do better in those states, but the primary process may not produce a moderate candidate. I can tell you that President Trump will be tough to beat for three reasons. First, Americans tend to give our presidents two terms. Eight of the last 10 presidents who ran for second term won, the exceptions being Jimmy Carter and George Herbert Walker Bush. Second, Donald Trump has proven to be an excellent campaigner. He has an ability to dominate the news cycle like no one that we have ever seen, and that'll be tough to compete against. And third, the economy remains strong. If it stays that way, he'll be really hard to beat. Think about it. The two one-term presidents, Bush and Carter, both ran during a recession. A wild card can change any game. Do you think there's something out there that'll swing voters? I do. The Supreme Court 
if there is another vacancy before the election, which is certainly possible with Ruth Bader Ginsburg at 86 and Justice Stephen Breyer at 80, expect World War III over the confirmation process. It's one thing for President Trump to replace a justice previously selected by a Republican president, as was the case with Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, but a Republican president replacing a justice selected by a Democratic president as is the case with Ginsburg and Breyer, that would be a bloodbath. If President Trump is able to replace one of them with a conservative judge before the election, I think the enthusiasm will be very high on the Democratic side in 2020. Final question. Any predictions on the Democratic primary? Only one. There will be a woman on the ticket. There is no way that Democrats select two men to go up against Trump-Pence. Women voters turned out overwhelmingly for Democrats during the midterm election and that Democrats will want to energize women again in 2020. Thank you, Stephen. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with our policy drivers? I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, are you kidding me? 18 months of campaign? I'm sick of it already. Now, personally, I love it, but you know, this is what I do. I will say this, though. People are more interested in politics than at any time I can remember, and that's a good thing, especially if in 2020 they get out and vote. Thank you, Stephen, for giving our policy drivers this great insight on who's in, who's out, and who's somewhere in 2020. And with 18 months until the election, it's still too soon to tell. The 2020 campaign is only just beginning, and anything can happen. And that's it for Drive Time Talks. Thank you, policy drivers, for continuing to make the difference for Toyota. Stay engaged by following us on Twitter at Toyota Policy. This is Donna Rudy signing off from Washington. Mata Ayama Show. Until next time.